The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across skater country, visit ViStarCU.org and ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is Dooley Noted, everything Florida Gators, with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Dooley Noted podcast. Appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, we'll get to a lot of basketball, a lot of football as well. Uh, Tom Hart, you know him from uh, the ESPN broadcast. He had the Florida-Georgia game uh, just last week, um, and he is uh, doing he's double kind of double dipping with the SEC basketball package and then the xfl so um we'll talk to him about both those things i have i have some thoughts on the xfl that i want to lay out there as well um obviously the number one topic in fact last night when i spoke to the uh the quarterback club here in town actually just right over there I'm at the uh Wyndham, which if you know where the gainesville sun is it's, it's right over there <laughs> maybe you don't care um but I was speaking to them and I and I told them I said, "Look, don't tell me this isn't a basketball town because every question I got was about basketball. Uh, none of them were positive, of course, because obviously that loss to Ole Miss on Saturday was a bad, bad loss. I, I I'll, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't see much of it because my wife and I went out and in St. Augustine, and you know we we didn't want to be bothered by it." But I did see the last few minutes, last six or seven minutes, and didn't look like a team that competed. Read all the stories, read all the stats. Doesn't take much to know that this team again played one of those games. And look, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's wrong, why they can't figure it out. I don't get it. There's clearly an answer that they haven't, fi- they don't know yet. Mike White is a very smart man. If he knew the answer do you think he's withholding it uh i if i play it this way i know um we'll get we'll we'll be better but i'm gonna wait till the end of the year no of course not he can't figure it out now there was something that came out uh when he did his gator talk thing with with mchubert and he talked about players being late for meetings well that's a bad sign they had one last year who was late for meetings and didn't go to class and stuff like that when he was supposed to and they ended up you know, t- showing them the door and this you aren't going to show these guys the door because you know five-star recruits and everything and and look you're trying to right now you're just trying to win you're trying to win enough games to get in the tournament you that's what this whole every season every team's season is about making the ncaa tournament and then from then on your team your season will be judged by how you do in said tournament that's what it's all about. Even that team that, that Florida had that went eighteen and zero in the uh, in the conference in conference play, the Patrick Young, Scotty Wilbekin team. Okay, even that team, if they had gone into the SEC tournament, don't forget they won on a on a last minute um, defensive play that Wilbekin made when when the. A Kentucky player was coming around, kind of coming around the corner t- to get a shot, and he kind of slipped. And Florida got the ball, and they won the game. That's how close it was—a one-point game. 
So if they lose that game and then they go to the tournament and for some reason they don't play well, um, you know, they what they who they draw in the second game. Now I'm trying to remember. It feels like uh, it was a million years ago. They had Albany in the first game. And remember, Albany was giving them a, a fit. And, and they finally ended up winning the game and going away. But they were struggling with that first-round game. So my point is, I, I, you knew I'd get to the point eventually, that team was is judged by how it played in the tournament. And that's the way it is for every team. So getting there or not getting there is your first judge. You know, I, I know everybody would say winning the conference championship, and that is a big deal, but it's not that big a deal. I'm sorry. It just isn't. When you think to all your great fond memories of Florida basketball in your lifetime, and we're going to get to one of them coming up, does the time they won the SEC, does that it, – it probably isn't there. You know, maybe you remember the Clifford Lett team that won it and the fans went out there and – uh, to the airport and wel- welcomed them home in the middle of the night. Um, obviously, I mean, one year there was a four-way tie for first. They gave away four trophies at S- at the SEC tournament. My point being, that's not what teams are remembered for, conference championships. I'm sorry, it's just not the way basketball is. Now, you win the conference tournament, and it's and you do get, people do remember that because you it, it's – a game every day and, and everybody's excited and it has a different feel to it. And then you're judged by how you do in the SEC or in the NCAA tournament. So this team still has a chance to get there. There is very definitely a path to get to the tournament. And once you get in the tournament, it's all about matchups. It's all about uh, the, what kind of team you play. Maybe it, it it's the worst possible team uh, you can play. Maybe it's the best possible team you can play. You know, so we'll see. But you got to get there first. And right now there is a path, but it it's not looking great. And people are mad. People are upset. You know, we've talked about this before. That I get it. I get why people get upset because of the history. Now the history before B- Billy Donovan wasn't very good. Pockets of success is all it was, and not not that much success. Uh, one Final Four team, one conference champion. So there weren't any pockets of great success. And um, but what happened? I, I've talked about this before. From 06 to 08, changed everything about Florida fandom. Just changed it. It's all different now. From once that happened, basketball, football, basketball, football. Heisman in between. All that happened, it changed the way fans are. It didn't matter if you were an old fan. It didn't matter if you were a new fan. It didn't matter if you started at school at Florida in 2005. And gosh, my first year, we went to the uh, World Series in baseball and got all the way to the finals. Yeah. It changed, man. It just changed. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about the game coming up. It's tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. It was played last night, if you didn't. Um, and also about Billy Donovan Court being named Saturday as well, getting into some other things. I do have a lot of football I want to get to, but we have to take a break, as we always do right around this time. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Hey. 
At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. No one gets you ready to celebrate like the team at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. You want great prices in a giant selection? They've got it. You need convenient locations, online ordering, and fast service? ABC's got you covered. Get a jump on this month's deals at abcfws.com. Visit any of their 123 Florida stores today for free samples or get expert advice from their beer, wine, or spirits experts. Don't forget a cigar in their walk-in humidor. ABC is Florida family-owned and operated since 1936. ABC. Always be celebrating. Okay, welcome back. Um, the, the the thing with Billy Donovan Court, uh, you know, is kind of interesting to me because there was at first, for a while there, there was a little bit of, are we sure we want to do this? Not that he doesn't deserve it, but what if we name it Billy Donovan Court and he goes to Tennessee? Like they, they fire him at Oklahoma City, he goes to Tennessee, he's coaching against the Gators on. Now, that was a, and again, they had been scarred by that with Steve Spurrier doing that, although the, the field wasn't named after him until he finally came back to Florida. If, he doesn't, if he's still in South Carolina, that field's not named after him, right? Um, so there was a little bit of feeling about that. I think Jeremy felt that way, uh, you know, and then they just decided, look, it's time. Uh, whether he does that or not, we need to do this. This is um, – he changed the culture. He is like, you know, I've said this a million times and I stay, stand by it. He's the best coach to ever coach at the University of Florida. Um, the only guy – that you could now Spurrier would be the other argument, but you could also make the Mike Holloway argument. I, I get that, but at a high pressure sport with eight to ten thousand people in the stands for home games and playing in, in the arenas they do, I still that to me to come into a program that had nothing. They didn't have any players. They didn't have any tradition. They didn't have any fans. Well, they had some, but not a lot. People weren't into basketball. Basketball, uh, Donnie Jones, Jones told me this, that you know when he thinks about this whole thing with Billy, um, it, it, what excites him is thinking about all these players who were willing to come to Florida before it was cool. And it wasn't cool then, believe me. So it, it's certainly worthy. I, I talked to Billy the other day. I'm going to have a story on it on Saturday's paper, so be looking for that. Um, and I know Chris Harry's doing a real big piece. He went out there and actually interviewed him. So um, there's a couple of them to look for. Uh, but it's just going to be great to see him. Just going to be great to see him again. I, I, I think the last time I saw him in person was about two years ago. I'm trying to think. I think it was. I went over to his house. He invited me over to his house um, and to get some stuff for the golf tournament. And it was great. So uh, I haven't seen him in a long time. Just actually, I see him on TV. But it's great, and I'm so happy for him. Uh, I think the game that he will tell you is the one he remembers from the O-Dome will surprise you. That's all I want. I want. I got to tease it, right? I'm going to tease it. So um, 
that'll be a that'll be an emotional night Saturday night for him. I think for for a lot of us, a lot of us who love Billy as a person. You know, forget the winning. The winning was great. We all love the winning. But man, Billy Donovan's one of my favorite people. That man calls my dad every year on his birthday, and they talk for you know fifteen minutes just about sports and everything. And he he he'll always call me and say, well, "Your dad's birthday's next this week, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, all right. So let's get back to the present, which isn't as good as talking about the past, unfortunately. But we live in the present. We can't change the past, and that's the that's the message I think I might give to this team. Look, I've thought about a million psychological things you could do with this team. And Billy was a master of that. If you remember the 2000 team, they were getting ready to play Duke at at Syracuse in the Elite Eight. And nobody thought Florida was going to win that game. Uh, One thing he he had him do was write um, somebody who was special to them, somebody who was important to them on their shoes. So when they looked down, taking free throws or getting a breath, they would see that person. It might be the mom, might be the father, might be uh, another relative. Uh, and, yeah, okay, I don't know if that kind of stuff really works, but they won. And they and they went on to uh, obviously get to the national championship game. The message I think I would tell this team is, guys, nothing has happened. Forget everything. Okay, forget everything that has happened. Go see the movie yesterday. The Beatles never happened. Okay, (laughs) that's what I would tell them. You haven't lost one game. Nobody's rated you anywhere. You don't have a conference record. You don't have anything. This is about right now. Playing this game tonight. Playing this game tonight and going forward. Let's see what we can do, not what we've done. Don't look back. Don't look back at all. Don't worry about what we've done. Let's worry about what we're going to do. That would be my message to him because, again, like I said, there's still a path to making the tournament. And there's, you know, I've given up on trying to get a good seed. <laughs> and I think there are a lot of people who have given up on this team. I think it's kind of coming in in different doses. Like you gave up on them. And let me tell you what, if you gave up on them in the first half of the Georgia game, I don't blame you. But then they kind of pulled you back in. Now you get get pulled in. You're excited about this game Saturday, 2 o'clock. I get to watch it. Then I can go out that night. And they play like crap and get destroyed. And you're like, "Uh, I think I'm done. I'm, I'm finished with this team. All right? I understand. Look, I I think I'm the one who stands up with the bullhorn and says, support your team at all times. The Gators need you more when you're they're losing than winning. Uh, which was is kind of what uh, Dan Mullen said, you know, show up and we'll win. Don't show up, we'll have a harder time winning. But I don't I'm not going to sit here and tell Gator fans right now you, you should love this team. You should you should really be behind them. Um, just too much of a lack of effort that. Now I, I look either you Gator you Gator bait. You can make that argument, and I agree. And I think that there's a lot of people right now that are, have just said I'm not watching anymore, and that's fine. That's up to you. That's your choice, and I get it. I get why people are so disgruntled. 
But can you jump back on the bandwagon if it starts to go good? I just, I don't know. I just don't think it is. I don't think it's going to. I think this team is what it is, and I'm kind of tired of saying that too. It's been an exhausting team for for the fan base. I don't, for me, you know, I'm not a big fan of 830 games, and <laughs> but no. But for you guys, it has been exhausting. And if you want to rest, I kind of get that. All right. Um, the game against, if you have, or if you're listening to Thursday, you already know what happened against Texas A&M. But if you haven't, I'll just give you a little bit of uh, info on them. Josh Nebo's their leading scorer, 11.4. They're last in the league in scoring. They're last in the league in assist to turnover. They've had, I think it's 10 games in the 60s. Um, but they are 5-5 five and five in the conference. Now, the teams they've beaten haven't been real good. And that's the thing. This league is full of teams that are very beatable. Unfortunately, Florida's lost to, um, to two of them. I mean, to lose to Ole Miss and Missouri, that's not the way you build your resume. And that's, that's the bad part of it. Um, but this again, this, this uh, Texas A&M team, with a new coach and Buzz William, five and five, Florida six and four. I mean, the difference isn't that big a difference. So while you would think Florida could go in there and win, who knows? Who knows what's going to show up? You know, I don't have an answer. I don't know what what is going to show up. The interesting thing is Florida still, and this is where I talk about the path. Florida is still in a tie for fourth in the SEC and you want to finish in the top four so you get a bye that first night. Although in some cases, it might actually help Florida to get another game in, but you still want to get that bye. But there are, um, in fact, they're tied with South Carolina. There are six teams, I think it is, that are five and five or six and five. So, um, I mean, there are a lot of teams there where this could go anywhere. It could go south, north, (laughs) and right in the middle. That's what this league is. This league is a lot of of middle-of-the-pack teams. It's a lot of average teams that sometimes play at a high level, sometimes. And Texas A&M is one of them. I mean, who knows what they're going to do? We'll see. Now, here's the interesting part of – the other part of the path now part of the path is just to go win games right you win you got eight games left in the conference you got two or one at least in the tournament out of those nine games you probably need to win six i think you got to get to 20 wins to have any chance to get in well you got two games against kentucky they're 20th in in, uh the net ranking you got a game against lsu left they're 27th the game you have against Arkansas all of a sudden doesn't look as intriguing in terms of helping your net because Arkansas is all the way down to 43. They've lost three in a row. Got destroyed by Tennessee by 21 last night. Three straight losses. Of course, they lost Isaiah Joe with a knee injury. And uh, I, you can't even say they haven't been the same team because two of their games went to overtime and they lost them. But they've lost three in a row. They get Florida, I think it's next week, right? So, um, you know, 
that game won't you won't get as much benefit as maybe you you would have if you won it before. But first, you got to win it. You got to win it. Florida's net ranking right now is forty five. They're still in striking distance. They have a chance. You know, they're the first four out according to Lenardi. They've got okay. You can get back in. They have a chance. My question is. Are they going to have your full support? Uh, probably a lot of people out there saying, yeah, I'm not even going to watch anymore. Whatever happens, happens. It's the way it's, 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 like I said, it's been an exhausting year for this fan base. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to bring in another guy who's exhausted, Tom Hart, uh, good buddy. He's uh, done a great job with the uh, SEC Network and ESPN, and he's doing the XFL. He's doing basketball games, multiple basketball games. And um, we look. I look forward to talk to him. So we'll have him on, and then uh, on the other side after after that conversation, we will get into some football things as well, um, and of course, three things. All that and more coming on the duly noted podcast here at GatorSports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today, or visit Zaxby's.com. Welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for listening in. And a great pleasure to be joined right now by Tom Hart. You know him well. You see him everywhere because either he's doing an SEC basketball game or the XFL. He's all over the place. And uh, it, I know, you must be flying all over the place. Who do you have this week? Well, I've got um, – we just finished with LSU Missouri last night as of this taping. And then Auburn, Alabama tonight. And then this week we'll go out west for our XFL game with Bob Stoops and the Dallas Renegades taking on L.A. on Sunday afternoon on ABC. Well, we'll talk. We'll start out talking a little basketball. This has been a weird year. Obviously, we know how weird it's been in Gainesville, but even all around this conference, you know, you're watching Vandy uh, beats LSU and then has George or uh, Kentucky on the ropes, and they've won one conference game in two years. Um, you know, last night the result that stunned me was Tennessee's win. You know, that kind of came out of nowhere against uh, what was it Arkansas, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's like I, I don't know. I just I don't know that there's a team in this league that can make a deep run in um, March because we just we're, all their flaws seem to be exposed. Yeah, I think the biggest flaw for the league this year for those middle-of-the-pack teams, right? I mean, um, unfortunately, I think Mississippi State is a middle-of-the-pack team, although these flaws don't necessarily uh, apply to them. I I thought they'd be one of the top four teams in the league. Um, But it's depth. You know, depth issues come back and haunt these teams. We've seen it with Arkansas without Isaiah Joe. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that they're a, a tournament team with Isaiah Joe. He had to have his knee um, operated on last Monday or Tuesday, and he's missed the last three games. They lose at overtime in overtime at Missouri, which has been um, a wildly inconsistent and, and not a very good offensive team, except when they play Florida at home, which makes zero sense. Um, <laughs> And then they go in and they and they lose at Tennessee. I think Tennessee is a, a good team at home, but they just don't obviously don't have the firepower like they had last year. And it was the same thing. So we see Alabama and Auburn in the second matchup that they've had this year tonight at Auburn as of this taping. But um, Alabama's got Herb Jones. We're not sure when he's going to come back. And while he's not a headliner as a scorer, 
he is the glue guy on that team. He plays great defense. He takes charges. He's he's the anchor of that squad. And I think what we're seeing with these middle of the pack teams, you lose a key player, no matter what their role is, is really hard to continue to win and to have the same kind of chemistry that um, that maybe you've had when you're at your best. Well, we saw that with Florida when uh, when Brian Tyree went out and uh, against didn't play against Florida. Um, and Florida destroys them, and then he does play against Florida, and they destroy Florida. You know, it, it, that, it shouldn't be that big of a difference, but it is. I don't know how much you've seen of A&M, but that, that's who Florida has tonight. Um, I don't know what, what – I don't know a whole lot about that team. Yeah, I haven't seen A&M since early in the season. Um, I had them during football season when Gonzaga came to town. And we know Gonzaga, you know, if you follow college basketball, they're elite. Um, they're still that Killian Tilly, and they had A&M down 20 after about six minutes. And I said to myself, man, Buzz Williams is going to have a long um, and arduous rebuild in front of them. And I've got to be honest with you, he has really impressed me. I think they're a talented team. They have individual talent. But as that rebuild started, I said to myself, man, they're going to be maybe the worst team in the league. He's going to run some guys off. He's going to tear this thing down to the foundation and then build it back up. But he's found a way to keep them in games and, and to win some games. And it's it's been impressive. You know, he's he's the kind of coach that if you buy in – You'll play really hard for him. If you don't buy in, then you're better off just finding another program. You were here for the Georgia game, which was an unbelievable win for Florida. But as you watched that game, in fact, I went back and, and rewatched uh, the broadcast, and you said a couple of times the second half, this team must drive its fans crazy. Well, you're absolutely true, right. They, <laughs> they have been driven crazy, and they're on the ledge, and they're ready to jump off. And uh, But within that game, they go down by 22 to a team that should never get 22 ahead of them, and then they come back and, and win the game and are up by 10 at one point, which is amazing. But I still can't figure this team out. I can't figure out why they're not more concerned and I just know they aren't very consistent. I guess, and, and this is not to make excuses, but the, the consistency in my mind can be explained a couple of different ways. Um, and, and the number one thing is, is youth. And not just that there are young guys, but there are a lot of young guys on this team. And even though that sophomore class has a year together, I think learning how to play hard, learning how to prepare right, um, learning – the grind that you go through every night to win in this league. And it's not just the grind of a game. It's the grind of two halves. Or as Florida shows, it's the grind of every 10-minute period within a game. And to have that focus and consistency. Um, and I think it was a little fair, I think, going into the season, that Kerry Blackshear was named the SEC Player of the Year. This is a league that has always been built on athleticism that has guys that play above the rim, that have incredible speed, um, with great shooters. He was a, a really good piece on a good Virginia Tech team that was kind of built from the inside out with him as the focus, but guys who could take over games and who could um, handle the basketball and who could make plays. And I think as a, as a sum of its parts, Florida should be better. And as a sum of its parts, even individually, like you zero in on Kerry Blackshear with the rest of those guys, he could be having a better season. But he was never going to be a guy that could go out there and get you 
30, 35, 40 points a night. And this league is full of those guys, whether it's Brian Tyree or Mason Jones. Um, you know, I think Petty is a guy who can do that for Alabama. There's, there's certainly others out there. But, yeah, I, it, it's, and I know it's maddening to Mike White to figure out, you know, how do I get these guys motivated to play on both ends of the floor? Um, the potential is certainly there. I mean, you look at the individual talent at every position and you think to yourself, well, that guy could start for other teams in the league. Or if that guy was over here, he'd be playing a lot of minutes for that team. I mean, I think you'd say that about every position for this Florida team. It's just, it just seems like they haven't all five played well together at the same time for any, any length of time. You know, I was one of the people that did vote for Blackshear for SEC Player of the Year. And when you think about it, who else can you, could you vote for? There was nobody out there that, yeah. that blew your socks away. So many guys had left, and now you're, you're – you know, it could end up being Maxi at, at Kentucky. It could be um, somebody else that we hadn't really heard a lot of. So, uh, but I want one give you one SEC football question real quick. I saw somewhere, I think it was on Twitter, that you're picking Kentucky to win the East this year. Is that true? <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Okay, I, I want to make sure. I'll quickly make it clear. I was hosting college football live last week because apparently there wasn't enough on my plate. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Mike Golick Jr. decided, um, as only a, a hot take artist can, that, you know what, this is the last college football live of the year. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to pick Kentucky to win the East. So um, I, I wasn't clear enough about that on my social media. He was the one that picked that. And when he said it, my eyes were as big as saucers. I think Mark Stoops has done a remarkable job, but uh, I'm not going to pick them to win the East anytime soon. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year for Florida, obviously, uh, with with the roster that they've built up. They finally got a roster that we, I think, people out here feel pretty good about. But I want to ask you about other roster, which, of course, doing the XFL in its first weekend. And here, here's what I've said to everybody: Look, the XFL, everything looked great. You know, you guys are getting most of the praise. The people who did the broadcasting, I think, because everybody's saying, "Man, that was it." Felt like an NFL game in terms of the talent at the broadcasting booth nobody's talking about the talent on the field uh but i always like to say with with these leagues see me in week six see me see where your enthusiasm level is in week six and then then you'll know whether you have a real league or not yeah that's fair um and there's nothing that we can do as broadcasters about the quality of play on the field although it's better than i expected and we got a chance to go in and watch them scrimmage and we had rehearsals a few weeks ago in Houston and I was immediately impressed probably because my you know relative to my expectations I was impressed by the size of the guys um, on both lines you know I I just pictured the offensive line being undersized for lack of a better word once that you might find um, you know Sunbelt Conference caliber um, but these are NFL-sized guys. Uh, St. Louis's offensive line is 320 across the board. Their left tackle is 6'7", uh, was a great left tackle at Iowa State a couple years ago when they were leading the Big 12 in, in offense. Um, so there, there's talent in the trenches, and I think that's number one. From a skill position standpoint, we had one 100-yard receiver in week one. We did not have a 100-yard rusher. We did not have a 300-yard passer. Um, and that's not to say that it won't happen because this offense, uh, this league with the rules is supposed to be built for offense. But 
what I have to remind people is they really didn't have much of a preseason. So last night was very much like, or last weekend, I should say, was very much like an exhibition game or very similar to what we usually see week one of college football, which is versus the directional schools. And then as every coach says, the biggest leap we make is between week one and week two. So um, I'm hopeful that we see some of the stars come out week two and be able to get these offenses going. But I think from a from a financial standpoint, Vince McMahon's money is behind this thing that has it more built to last than last year's spring league. Um, it's what gets me about these leagues is is the harshest critics will say, "Well, you'll never be the NFL." They are not trying to be no. the NFL. It's a supplemental football. This is comes from the idea that there are 80 million NFL fans. There are 40 million hardcore fans, according to this study, that says that they want to continue to watch um, football through the winter and the spring. This is all about more football being better than less football. And I tell you what, Pat, one thing I was surprised with doing a lot of interviews this week, especially um, in and around St. Louis, where they we were the leading um, television broadcast this weekend in all of St. Louis sports, even outdrew the um, the Blues, and they had a, uh, a overtime game against Dallas on Saturday night in prime time. Um, is the phone calls that were coming in the radio show were about how Chuck Long's offense was terrible in the first half, and he needed to be replaced. And I was shocked. You know, that's something we hear in college football, the NFL. I was shocked that one game into this, there was this passion for this new fan base that they had to win. Um, and I think that's going to be the key going forward, whether that's week two or week six or week 10 or year two or year three or year 10. Are fans invested in this that they get mad when their team loses? You know, right. you'll never see the same passion that we see in the SEC, but will winning matter to these fan bases? And that'll be, that'll be a key measuring stick. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You said they don't—they aren't trying to be the NFL. There's only one t- one league that ever tried to be the NFL, and that was the USFL. And they—I mean—they didn't quite get there, but they—they they were the closest because they went and got all these great players. You know, Herschel Walker, sure, uh, uh, Reggie White, Jim Kelly. That was a great league. I covered it. I actually covered the Jacksonville Bulls for for two years with that. It was a fun league. It's a shame it it went away, but uh, just didn't work out. They. You know, somebody wanted them to go to fall instead of spring. I'm not going to mention names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't go that way. It's not worth the $1 that they were awarded in court to mention that one name. Exactly. He is Tom Hart. You will see him on basketball and the XFL again this week. And if you turn on the TV, he's likely to be there. We'll take a break, come back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast right after this break. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right, uh, welcome back to the uh, Duly Noted Podcast. Thanks again to Tom Hart for joining us. Um, It it has been really a weird time in in college football. We always see this after signing day. And there were, but there was a little bit before, but you see a bunch of coaching changes because a, a lot of times what coaches will do is say, look, stay with me through signing day before you guys go look look for another job, which is a little disingenuous to the players. And what we all the, – the funny thing is there's this real contradiction in 
this sport, which is a, it is a, at times a very hypocritical sport, okay? But the contradiction, and maybe you could call it hypocrisy, is that we all know that the biggest thing in recruiting is relationships, right? Do you have a relationship? Is it a long relationship with this player? Have you been recruiting him since eighth grade? Have, have you guys, the parents, the family feels good about you? And yet, guys guys will sign an entire class and then pick up and leave, you know? So are you signing with the school? So a lot of people will say, well, you sign with the school. But it's all about relationships. Which is it? And that's the thing. This is why players get confused sometimes. This is why you have this whole transfer portal mania, which is only going to get to be more crazy if, if they do pass a rule that you don't have to sit out, which I think they should. But they, we have seen an amazing amount of changes, in, especially in the SEC. Coaches at South Carolina leaving, coaches at, at Tennessee. Chris Rump just left there, Tracy Rocker. Um, they've lost a lot of people uh, from a, their staff. Uh, we, of course, we all know about Florida, Larry Scott. The Tim Brewster thing will happen, okay? I don't know when. I don't know why it, they haven't announced it formally, but he's changed his Twitter handle to say Go Gator. So he, that's going to happen. He's a big-time recruiter. It's going to help Florida. Uh, I will say this. The Charlie Strong thing may not happen until March. And I, like I've said this before, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, but there's, it's not definite. I think it's going to happen. Some way, some form, he's going to end up – be back here uh but i i we've had a lot of conversations he and i and and some other people about this and you know there's there's it's a it is a very uh slippery i don't want to say slippery slope that's a bad cliche but it's just a it's one of those things where you don't want to come back here the hero the guy who helped them win two national championships with his defense and one of the great defensive coaches. And oh, by the way, we're not that happy with the guy they, that they have now because he wasn't good against LSU and Georgia and actually Virginia. His defenses didn't play very well. Well, he finished eighth in the country, but that's not good enough. We want so the first time they have a bad day, Charlie. Can you fix this? Can you come over and do this? Can you do this instead of him? And I know Charlie doesn't want that, and I'm sure Todd Grantham doesn't want it. So they've got to figure this out, what they're going to do. And, and it's not a high-priority thing. What you want, if, if you do have Charlie come back, uh, and if, you, if he's in an analyst role, he'll be here in time for spring. That's all that matters. Um, by the way, if you – I'm sure you guys on Twitter saw the pictures of Zachary Carter. Oh, my gosh. When he was a high school recruit and what he looks like now, that, my friends, is the work of Nick Savage. But this also, you know, everybody always says, well, Nick Savage is doing a great job. Well, those players are doing a good job, too. Those players are getting bigger and stronger. He's giving them a program. He's, he's, he's getting them going. He's making them run. But they're the ones doing it. Don't forget that. Give them a little bit of props on that. Um, so anyway, we we saw these coaching changes in the SEC, and a big one today in the. I guess it's more of a big one in the Pac-12 than it is in the Big Ten. But Mel Tucker going to Michigan State as their head coach after 
going on uh, several radio shows and doing social media and stuff about how he was not going to go. He's going to stay at Colorado. He loved Colorado. Which takes me back to my one philosophy. It is a one of my many philosophies in life, which is you care way more about your school as a fan than any coach ever has. Okay? They don't. They will, hey, go Buffs. What? I get $2 more million if I go to Michigan State? Go Sparty. Yeah, that's why you never listen to those guys when they say that. Now, there's a lot of criticism coming his way because he just signed a class, uh, obviously. But look, if and, – and, and whatever you do for a living, if somebody came to you right after you had just gotten a big raise, you got a big raise – and they told you how much they love you. And you said, man, I want to work here the rest of my life. This is the best thing. This is where I met my wife. This is where my all my great friends are. And then somebody from another city came in and offered you twice the money and a better title. And, and actually a better, you know for a fact, this is a better work environment. This is a, 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 a glitzier stage. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with doing what makes your life better at all. Now, I, But again, this goes back to the hypocrisy of college football, which is players, uh, coaches can do this. Players don't need to get any money, but coaches can do this for a bunch of money. And, and also, coaches who say, like the one that always cracked me up, cracked me up, was a documentary they did on Urban Meyer when he was first got to Ohio State, and he's, he's patting his, his head, and he goes, I don't want to ever see this. I don't ever want to see you say, I'm tapping out. I want to come out of the game. I don't ever want to see this. And you're just like sitting there going, well, didn't you do that? That's what you did at Florida twice. And again now at Ohio State. Anyway. The point is, it's, a, it's hard. This is where you're it's a tough situation you go into a parent's house and you say if your kid this is what you sell a lot of mamas on if you go in there and say i will take care of your son we have a we have this in place we have this in place i will he'll he'll be like a son to me you're you want to send him where i am this I'll, i'll do a better job than anybody else and then you leave after before he even gets on campus this is where there's a lot of distrust and stuff like that. Anyway, again, would I do the same thing? Probably. I would not. I, if I had a choice of living in Colorado and East Lansing, there ain't no way I'd move. There, and I don't think there's enough money uh, for those. Um, interesting thing by Peter that Peter Burns wrote on Twitter about this that the the gap is getting worse for the Big Twelve and the especially in the Pac-12 with coaching. I mean, think about the Pac-12 coaches. It doesn't exactly rock your boat. Oh, Herm Edwards is great. Yeah, bad recruiting class again this year. I know he got a guy late. Um, what is their record? Yeah, you know, I think people get kind of caught up in Herm Edwards a little bit and don't realize that he hadn't really done a whole lot. He won that one game, and that was the big, the big thing. Uh, but, but you look around there, who excites you as a head coach? Mario Cristobal, okay, he's doing a heck of a job, like him. But anyway, the point he was making was he believes it's time for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to merge, that they're both getting $20 million less 
than the SEC and the um, per team, SEC and Big Ten. Why not just go ahead and merge and make one super conference and maybe you leave a few out? No big deal. It's not your problem, right? So I don't know. I don't know if you'll ever see something like that. We we have everybody's been talking about the super conferences that are coming someday. I don't know if they are or not. But it would be great if they made it like six super conferences and and that's who you played. You didn't play Eastern Washington. You played somebody from the other one of the other conferences. So your road games, um, you know, you would pick up. Your non-cons would would basically be, you, know, you might go to Nebraska, you know, so you could go eight and four and still have a shot to playoffs. Now, now we're get we're back to the NFL. Now it's an NFL type experience, but some people want that. Like I told somebody the other day, I want whatever I want is always selfish. We talked about the baseball, um, and how they're talking about letting you pick your own team, but but more importantly, adding teams to the playoffs. And I'm like, yes, do it. Good. Gets That gets more games, right? So when I'm sitting there and I can't watch anything, I can't find anything to watch, yeah, I'll watch a little bit of baseball. It's all about entertainment value for me. A um, couple uh, more football things, and then I'm going to do three things. I'm going kind of late again. I don't know why. I've been rambling today. Um the reason Mark D'Antonio left, apparently, this according to reports, and makes sense to me because it didn't. It made no sense before. When you when you hear that Mark D'Antonio is leaving the day before signing day, you're like, "What?" I mean, we were all stunned by that. But the funny thing is, you know, I, with all the stuff that's been going on there, you kind of understood why he might, but not not the timing of it. But anyway. Apparently, he wanted to leave after this year. He wanted to coach one more year and then pick his own successor. You know, I, I don't know any school. Now, I know it's happened in the past, and I know uh, I, I would guess that Urban Meyer might have, that Ryan Day thing might have been all Urban Meyer's call. Uh, but it, And it happens, but I don't, I don't know if a guy who's leaving, uh, who's not won – at a better level, whatever. The point is, he wanted to do that, and the school said, uh, well, uh, you're not picking him. You want to retire after next year, go ahead. That's fine. And so, as a result, they went ahead and started hired, hired a search firm to start looking for a new coach. This is after he um, had told them this. Now, he finds out about the search firm, gets mad, and says, that's it, I'm done, I'm out, day before signing day. Yeah, stick that in your pipes. So they botched the search, everybody was saying, and then they end up with Mel Tucker, who I think is a pretty good fit and probably will do a good job. You're never going to be great at Michigan State. There are schools where you can be great. And I'm not saying you can't have it for a year. You can't have a special year where you go 12-1 and and you're in the college football playoff or you go – 12 and 1 and you almost get in the playoff and you go to the Rose Bowl and win that. You can have that. You but I don't think at Michigan State you can be in this day and age. I don't think you can be sustained success and that is the hardest thing to do. It's not easy for anybody to do. 
You know, Florida's certainly struggled with sustained success. FSU had it at the peak. They were as, as much sustained success as you could ask for and then totally fell off. And then got it back and it didn't last. It's hard to have. Speaking of FSU, they scheduled this game with LSU uh, starting in 2022 and then 2023. Great. I asked this question the other day. You uh, you can answer it. Who are you rooting for in that game? Because I tell you what, the hatred for LSU is pretty palpable among Gator fans. It started with the hurricane. Then it was the College World Series. Then it was them celebrating like they just won the national championship when they won at Florida Field. Then it was uh, obviously just beating Florida this year. And I mean, it, I I think it's a pretty serious hatred. But of course, the FSU hatred is longer and longer lasting. But I'm just wondering who who you would root for when they play. Now you don't have to worry about it for two years. So call me then. But everybody, I, I keep hearing people complain. Oh man, this would be great on the campuses. It'd be great at LSU. It'd be great to go to Tallahassee. First of all. It, It'd be great at LSU. It wouldn't be that great at Tallahassee. I, I don't think that's a great environment, uh, tailgate environment. or, or um, It's not one of those cathedrals where you want to go. You wouldn't put that on your um, bucket list, places I need to visit. Sorry. Sorry, FSU fans. But the reason they're playing in New Orleans and, and Orlando is because they're giving them way more money. Now I don't know what the details are of this, but for for Florida example, I think they got they get about a they make about a million a game for a home game, and then somebody comes in and says, uh, "Here's five million to play in our park." Okay, I'll do that. So that's exactly why. All right, that's enough of this. Let's go ahead and get to three things. It's time for three things. Number one, there is a strong movement going on that I'm surprised has taken this long that to make the Braves start stop doing the chop. And uh, it kind of happened at the end of last year when you had a player who felt said he felt uncomfortable, who had Native American uh, ancestry. And I, I'll, I will say this. I, have I ever done the chop? Yes, I have. I'm a, you know, I'm a huge Braves fan, but it always felt bad, not because of the Native Americans, because it was FSU's chop, you know. But no, I, 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 it's impossible for me as a Caucasian Irishman to tell you that it's offensive to do uh, the chop because I'm not, I don't know if it's I, – I, Ask Native Americans. Now, some of them will tell you, yes, the, the Seminole Nation has gotten a deal going with them, so they they say it's fine. It, it seems pretty obvious that it's offensive. I, I hate it, to be honest with you. But I hate it for a lot of other reasons. But they've already changed their slogan. They used to be chop on. They're, that was their hashtag. They've changed it to for the A, A being for Atlanta. Jeff Schultz wrote a piece about it on The Athletic. Um We'll see if this does happen. And if it does happen, does it then happen in Kansas City? Does it happen at Florida State? I don't think it ever will. I think Florida State will have it forever. Kansas City, though, might feel like it has to. 
Um, all right, that's number one. Number two, Miles Garrett is reinstated. I think he's served his time. I think, look, I, what he did was terrible. There was a lot going on there. I don't want to hear heat of the moment. There's never good – it's like – again. I've said this a million times, but I'm saying it again. People always say, well, that doesn't define me as a person. It's part of the definition. If you take your helmet off and swing it at a player who doesn't have a helmet, actually, he didn't take his helmet off, but he hit it. Yeah, anyway, when you try to hit a player in the head with a helmet, that's part of the definition of who you are. I'm sorry. It is. But I think the time served is fine. I have no problem with him coming back. The NFL, it's amazing how. And here's a, a, a guy that everybody will tell you is the greatest guy in the world, mild-mannered. It, it turns you into a maniac, I guess. Uh, finally, um, this is my take on the XFL. It was nice to have Tom on the show. But I did mention that see me in week six. And here's why. All right, the novelty's worn off by then. You, uh, you know – what are you going to do different now? Are you going to are you going to come up with something different? That's going because, as I mentioned to him, the thing that was interesting about it, all the positives were not about the play. They weren't about the players. It was about how it was a great broadcast and the announcers were great and they loved the graphics and all that. And that stuff will wear out after a while. They did it the right way. This is what happens when you have Fox and ESPN and uh, obviously ABC behind you as backers is you get a great broadcast. Now, this is what the AAF did not have. And as a result, ESPN chose to ignore anything they did. Scores, everything. Football, I watched the football in both leagues. Now, I know we only had one week. I didn't see a whole lot of difference in week one. Pretty much same same kind of guys. I do like some of the rules and everything, but see me in week six because that's when you're going to have a team in this league that's one in five. And all of a sudden, the interest wanes in that town for it. You know, if, if it's one thing, if, you're, if your team, if you, hey, let's get behind these guys. You know, this, I want to watch football. I want to watch football. How much football do you want to watch when you're one in five? Probably not very much. So now in that part of the country, maybe interest wanes and guys don't get don't want to play as much anymore. Why am I even bothering at this point? So we'll see. We'll see. I like I'd like it to be good. I'd like it to be high quality football, but it's not gonna be that, okay? It's it's gonna be what it what you would expect it to be. Um like I said, there's been only only been one league that really tried to challenge the NFL, and that was the USFL. Anyway, I could go all day about the USFL, but I'm not. Instead, I'm going to get out of here. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. I know it's been a little ragged today. My voice is kind of and not quite there and uh, a little tired, but hopefully, hopefully we got through this. And uh, we'll be back next week with another one. Duly noted podcast. It'll be on Wednesday again next week. So we'll have a lot to talk about then. And we'll have a lot to look forward to. Don't forget, we'll be able to talk about a baseball season that has started for the University of Florida Gators and softball games and basketball games and everything else that goes with it. There may be some hires by then as well. All right, until next time, this is Pat Dooley, sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I'm way back, and I am out of here.
The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country, visit ViStarCU.org and ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating.